Early in the 20th century, on the desolate plains of Kansas, a small family of farmers struggled to survive. The Dust Bowl and the Great Depression had created a hard times. Money was scarce. The harvest was a source of anxiety that only farmers understood. The couple worked their farm with some hired hands to help tend the hogs and work the land. They raised the daughter of the man's brother who had been orphaned as a young girl. That niece loved her uncle, her aunt. She loved where she lived. She loved the people who worked the farm. But like most teenagers in every generation, she dreamed of a place that was bigger and better than those plains of Kansas. She dreamt of a world that there was more than she knew on the farm. A leading citizen of the community challenged her character and integrity, and the niece, frightened and scared, determined to leave and find a place that she could go to find herself and discover her, her true identity. The story of that adolescent girl is our story as well. It centers on three critical questions that we've been looking at for the last three weeks. Who am I made to be? What am I made to do? Where am I destined to go? If I'm going to live a life beyond the mundane, a life of more, what's that really look like? For the last three weeks, you've heard those questions, and hopefully you really do understand that our search for significance, our desire to have our lives count, our desires to leave a footprint in this world it grows out of the breath of God that was breathed on us from the time before we were, even we were born. Jesus said, I come so that you can have life, and so that you can have life abundantly, life to the full, so that you can have, one translation says, life that is really life. That life to the full is the life of more. That's the theme of our series. It's a life of purpose and power, it's, it's not a mundane, a, a chore uh, kind of life, not a monotonous routine as the years piled up from, from the time that we're born until the time that we die. For every person, for all of us who are here, for everyone who wrestles with this issue, that full life begins with a response to God, a response to the common calling that he has given us. Who did God create me to be? That's what we talked about two weeks ago. God created me. He chose me to be a child of God and a disciple of Jesus. What did God create me to do? Chris talked about that last week, and we unpacked in our life groups and in our more groups this, this past week. He created me to be a disciple who makes disciples who impacts people with the grace of Jesus, who helps them experience that life of more as well. And that leads to today's message. What did, where did God create me to go? If God made me to be a disciple who makes disciples, where is that supposed to happen? Am I supposed to go to downtown Detroit to make disciples? Or maybe to New York or Los Angeles? Maybe I'm supposed to go to the Ukraine or to Papua New Guinea or to Ecuador to make disciples. Where am I supposed to go? Where did God design for me to live out this life of more? That's the story of that orphaned girl from Kansas, raised by her uncle and aunt. It's a fictional story, but it's, a, it's one that most every American knows. The answer is as memorable as this picture. And the words, there's no place like home. 
There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Where has God called each of us to live as disciples who make disciples, who impact people with the grace of Jesus? The answer is simple. Right where we are. That's the heart of today's message. Where has God called us to go? Right where we are. You know, we know that simply by looking at the life of Jesus. If you think about Jesus and his example, he started his ministry right where he was. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but the scope and span of Jesus' ministry when he first started is about the size of the area that exists for people who attend North Point. The area in the Sea of Galilee or in and around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus ministered uh, is about the same area that extends from St. John's down to Cooley Law School Stadium, from Grand Ledge out to the Michigan State campus. That's the geographical size of the area of ministry where Jesus, where Jesus first started his ministry. And when he went to Jerusalem, it was a distance of travel from about here to Grand Rapids. And when Jesus ministered in and around Jerusalem, it was about the size of the area of Grand Rapids. I don't know if that helps put things in perspective, but if you think about it, Jesus could have done, from our perspective, he could have done his ministry in much more strategic places. He could have, instead of starting in Galilee, he could have started in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the center of the Jewish religion. It was the place where there was this magnificent temple that Herod had built. Jesus could have started there. As a matter of fact, Satan came to him, right? Right after Jesus was baptized and said, hey, let's go up on the top of the temple and you just jump off and the angels will catch you and that will make a huge impact to start your ministry. That could have happened in Jerusalem. Jesus said no. If he hadn't chosen Jerusalem, he could have gone someplace like Athens, which was the the seat of learning for the Greek culture that that had permeated the world at that point in time. Athens was a port city. From Athens, you could access any place in the world. Athens was was this significant city that was there. It was a place of magnificence and a lot of wealth. If he hadn't chosen Athens, Jesus could have started his ministry in Rome, right? All he would have had to do was go there. Rome was the center of the world at that point in time. It's where Caesar lived. The Romans ruled the world. And Jesus could have started in Rome. Instead, though, Jesus started right where he was, in Galilee, not 20 minutes away from where he had been raised. Why should we make disciples where we are? Because this is where God has placed us. Most of us believe somewhere in our mind, practically, that in order to serve God, in order to do something great, God's going to need to send us someplace. We're going to need to go someplace else. We're going to have to have some kind of extra schooling or all kinds of stuff that we need before God can really use us. We say in ourselves, we say to ourselves, surely not in Langsburg, right? God can't use me in Ovid or Elsie. God can't use me in St. John's or DeWitt. Uh, Three years ago when Deb and I first came to the area, we were kind of scouting out the whole DeWitt area and we went to P.F. Chang's uh, uh, at Lake Lansing. So we're talking to the waitress who was a young college girl, just asking about the city, asking about stuff. And and uh, asking where East Lansing started and where Lansing stopped and tr- trying to get a handle on that. Finally, we said to her, uh, tell us about DeWitt. Said, What's DeWitt like? And, and this waitress said, DeWitt? Nobody cares about DeWitt. <laughs> I, sa- I said, 
what do you mean? And she said, there's nothing to do in DeWitt. There's no bars, there's no clubs. No, it's, DeWitt's boring. It, you know, it's just, it's not worth anything. We tend to think that God wants us to go someplace else, and we miss the fact that our current location, our common go, is right where we are. God has made a divine appointment for us right here. We are not here by accident. It's not like where you live right now is like an airport terminal. You know, you go to the airport and and you wait for the plane that's going to take you to the destination that you want to go. Sometimes we think where we are right now is like that airport terminal. We're we're just kind of waiting. God's going to do something big, but it's way down the road in another place at another time in another set of circumstances. And the point today is to recognize that the calling we have from God starts with us right where we are. Christine Kane said, if you can't serve God here, you won't serve him there. Because once you get there, it'll be here. If, you, if we can't serve God where we are with what we have, we won't be able to serve him regardless of where we, ha- where we are or what resources we have at our disposal. God calls us to serve him right where we are, just as we are. So many people think that we've got to move in order to live out God's calling in our lives. But let me tell you, the voice of experience, moving, takes time and money. If our go is right where we are, we don't have to wait to experience that abundant life, that full life that Jesus came to bring us. New Tribes Mission says it takes three to five years for missionaries who go into a tribal culture to learn the culture of the tribe, to learn their language, the nuances of how they think and how they act. Three to five years before they ever begin to teach anything about Scripture. And then it's seven to ten years before they get to a place that there are disciples in place, that there's a self-sustaining church that's there, as much as 15 or 17 years from the time missionaries land in a place before there's a church that, it can, can, that can exist on its own. Um, many people in ministry, friends of mine, have, we've had conversations and, and they've said, you know what, it takes, it takes five to seven years being in the same location before, before really deep ministry begins to take place as a pastor. Five to seven years, because it takes that long to really get where you are, to build relationships with people, to build a level of trust, and for God to work in you to do um, some of his most significant work. Hear me, if you've been working in your job for three years or more, if you've been living in your neighborhood for three years or more, if you've been in the same school system for three years or more, and you're a student of the people who live around you. Not just living in, you're not just living in isolation, but you're asking God to help you understand the way people think and the way people act and their worldview. God has already given you the preparation needed to be a missionary to Michigan. He's already done that because you understand the culture You understand the worldview that exists here. God has made you a missionary to your school. God has made you a missionary to the business or sales world that exists here. 
God has placed you here to be a disciple who makes disciples, a child of God who impacts people with the grace of Jesus. We need to recognize that reality and to begin to think creatively about how we can do that. Take a look on screen. There's a a story of something that happened in the office this past week that illustrates this in in a terrific way. My name is Janet, and I work at the office here at North Point. Well, a couple weeks ago, I got a phone call from a family from North Point that had a great idea. Their idea was to collect gift cards and cash instead of giving gifts to their young child for their birthday, which, I mean, that's a great idea. Uh, They wanted to bless someone in need at North Point instead of gifts for their child. And the child was young, you know, so they probably wouldn't know the difference. But instead of that, they wanted to give to someone that had a need. And so we paired gift cards and cash, $450 worth, to someone, one of our North Point families, that had some unexpected bills and were really struggling to make ends meet anonymously. And we just blessed them, you know, tremendously. Well, you can see how God works, even behind the scenes. You know, for me, working in the office, we get a lot of phone calls from people in need. But this was just the opposite. This was somebody wanting to bless somebody. And, you know, so that blesses me tremendously. You know, it's from behind the scenes type of a person. Oh, they wanted to hug everybody. <laughs> you know, they're, they were really tremendously grateful but glorifying God because God is so good you know and just providing you know which is great it really blesses me to see that people are doing what they're created to do you know and they do it without praise they just do it I might challenge people to do actually the same thing you know if you have there are a lot of people that have not you know Let's pair them together, you know. Be the person that God created you to be and do things that God created you to do. Isn't that great? Really, really cool story. Uh, You know, um, that family that hosted the birthday party and rather than having presents given to their child, uh, took gift cards and cash and then gave it to a needy, needy family, they could have said this, couldn't they? They could have said, you know what? We're going to wait until our child gets older before we teach them to give. Instead, they've got a story to be able to say from that child, one of that, that, that uh, earliest birthdays of that child, they began to give. They could have said to themselves, you know, I wish we had discretionary income that we could give to help a family in need. Instead, they came up with a creative uh, alternative. They could have said, we're a young couple with young kids. When our kids are grown, it's going to be great to be able to to live in a way that allows us to give back to God. But they didn't. They realized that God has placed them in this place at this time for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to be a child of God that helps others become children of God. So how do you get started? How how do you do that? How do you live out that go that's common to us all to serve Jesus right where we are? Uh, Here's my bit of advice for you. Look for a person of peace who already is a part of your world. 
I think if you're like most, person, most people, you're saying, a person of peace, what is that? Take out your Bibles and turn to, uh, turn to Luke chapter 10. If you've got the app out, it's, it's going to be there. It'll be on screen, but uh, don't hesitate to take one of the Bibles out of the, the backs of the pews in front of you. Turn to Luke chapter 10, and let me just kind of set the stage. Jesus has been doing ministry. He's been developing disciples, and, and uh, as he comes into this uh, section of his life in Luke 10, he's, he's ready to send out a group of disciples to cities where he's going to go and teach and minister in the future. Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, carry no knapsack, no sandals, greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace on this house. Uh, it's essentially saying, uh, this is a place of well-being. This is uh, this, the favor of God be the people who live here. And if a person of peace, if a son of peace um, is there, somebody who's sweet-spirited, somebody who responds to you, somebody who's hospitable, if, so, if a person of peace is there, your blessing of peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. If they don't respond back, no, no worries. But if it does, remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Don't go from house to house. Where, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what's set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's an interesting passage of scripture when you think about the calling that we have to serve God right where we are, to be his children right where we are. What's Jesus say about identifying a person of peace, somebody who's going to be responsive to the grace of Jesus? The first thing he says uh, is, is depend on God. He says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God says, if you're serious about ministering right where you are today, ask God to open your eyes. Pray to the Lord of harvest that he would send workers. Pray that he would open your eyes and that God would help you see the people in your life, in your world, who are open and receptive. Now, Jesus said, don't get bogged down with all kinds of stuff. Most of us think, you know what, I've, I've got I've to go get an education. I've got to go to the seminary. I've got to do this study or whatever. I need to bring my commentaries with me. I've got to have my computer with me. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Don't take a bag, don't take your sandals, don't take any of that stuff. Just go and trust that God will lead you to the right pe people. Second thing he said is, uh, Jesus said, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to that house. How do we make sense, to that, uh, sense of that in our culture? I think it's this, look for a person of peace and bless that person. Find some way to, to demonstrate God's favor on them. Maybe something that you do for them. It may be something that you give them. It may be that you just befriend them and actually take interest in them in a way that you never have before. But look for a person of peace and bless that person. If they accept you, respond to whatever it is they offer. Jesus said, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking um, whatever it is that they provide. If they accept you, if they respond to your overture to have a relationship with them, um, 
respond to whatever they offer. It may be that when you reach out to someone, that as a friendship goes, as your friendship develops, that that person will respond back to you. It may be that they'll invite you over to, to cook out, to have a barbecue. Say yes to that. It may be that they invite you to a Lions game, um, but it may be that they don't like you if they invite you to the Lions game too. Um, not, not really. Um, it may be that they invite you to, to one of their kids' t-ball games or swim meets. Say yes to that. I understand that when we respond to people who have responded to us, it creates a relationship that, uh, that allows for give and take. It'll, it allows them to know that we really do love them, that it's, they're not a project, that it's, it really is a relationship. Accept their hospitality, but, but let me warn you, um, it may be way outside of your comfort zone to accept their hospitality. They may invite you to the opera. Say yes to that. They may invite you to go snowmobiling and you don't like the cold at all. They, might, they may invite you to go to their cottage for the weekend and you're not sure that that's what you really want to do. They may give you a book to read. Say yes to that. Do it. Accept their offer. Jesus said, if a son of peace is there, a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. Remain in the same house, eat and drink with them, whatever they, whatever they do. Respond to, to uh, whatever it is that they offer. The next thing Jesus says is don't go from house to house. And, and this is a hard one for some people because basically what Jesus said was don't be a mile wide and an inch deep. Don't bounce around. Go deep with people who respond to you. Chris last week talked about how hard it is to let a few people into his life. For me, I, it's, I've got the same deal except just the opposite. I like to have relationships with lots and lots of people. And it's, it's easy for me to have relationships with lots of people. It's harder to have deep relationships with a few people. Jesus said, you know what? Don't go from house to house. Invest in a few God's not calling us to identify 100 people in our lives or 50 people in our lives. Just a few who are people of peace. Next, Jesus says, real simply, heal the sick. Pray for whatever needs this person, this person of peace that you have a relationship with has. Ask them if you can pray for them. As you're talking to someone, as you're talking to a neighbor, somebody at work, when they say, you know, man, I'm really struggling. My car broke down. I don't know how I'm going to get it fixed. Just, just very naturally say, hey, can I pray about that with you? Can I pray about that for you? It may be that, um, that, it may be that, they're, that they're a little scared of that, but most people will say, yeah, you can pray for me. And then, Ask, can I pray for you right now? And then don't, don't worry about a big flowery prayer kind of thing. Just, just say, hey, God, you know what? Jim's got a broken down car. He really needs a vehicle. Would you help take care of that for him? And pray for him. Most people, most people who are not followers of Jesus have never had someone talk to God on their behalf, let alone talk to God on their behalf in their presence. Don't miss how impactful that may be. They're not going to care if, you're, if, if you pray in the right way. They're not going to uh, care if it's a long prayer or a short prayer. They're only going to care that you're willing to pray for them. And, and it will raise a question in their mind. They will wonder if God is going to come through and answer that prayer. 
Last thing Jesus says is, say to them, say to this person in peace, the kingdom of God has come near to you. What Jesus was saying was, you know what, when, when, when you heal the sick, when that validates your ministry, when you have these relationships with people and God is working in that, give God the glory. When you pray for someone at work, when you pray for someone um, uh, in your neighborhood, when you pray for a need, and God provides for that need in whatever way it is, don't miss the opportunity to just in a casual say, that's so cool. Do you, remember? Do you remember that we prayed about that? Because what that says to them is, you know what? God is working in your life right where you are. Let me give you three just really simple ideas for finding a person of peace that's already in your life but that you may not be aware of this morning. Um, have con- the first idea is this. Have consistency in your r- routine. Walk your dog at the same time if you've got a dog. If, you know, if you're walking the loop in, uh, into it, walk your dog at the same time. Do some of those activities. Ride your bikes, whatever it is. Do them at the same time because the thing that you'll find when you do that consistently, you'll begin to see the same people over and over again. And, and one of them may be a person of peace. Go to, the, go to the gym at the same time. The relationships I have with people who are far from God Almost all are centered around the relationships I have with people at the West Side Y in Waverly, right off Waverly, because I'm there five days a week from about 5.15 to about 7 o'clock. Those guys that are there I see over and over again, and I'm able to develop relationships, conversations with them about all kinds of stuff. It may be that the consistency exists from your kids' schedules. Um, Find a person of peace in the parents' Of, of another child who shares those same activities, band, choir, um, sports teams, w- scouts, whatever it is. Look for them. Pray for the, for, for the eyes to see who might be that person who's ready to be responsive to the grace of Jesus. Go to the same restaurants, coffee shops, gas stations, stores. Be intentional when you do that in trying to get the same server, the same person at the register, the same person who helps you, and develop a relationship and see if they might be responsive to the grace of Jesus. Be consistent in your routine. Second, second thing is find something that God is doing in your life, something that's happening here at North Point, or something that's happening in your life group, and introduce it into a conversation with the people in your life, at, people at work or people at home, with words like, you'll never believe what happened at my church yesterday. I had a friend who, who intentionally every Monday would go in and say, you'd, you'd never believe what happened at church yesterday and begin to tell some story. T- today, if you go into work tomorrow, you want to start a conversation, just say, you'd never believe what happened at church yesterday at my church. They had a professional photographer taking pictures of families for Mother's Day and giving away the pictures. Can you believe that? that why would they do That's a weird thing. They'll start a conversation that might lead to a person of peace. So something simple. It may, be, it may be as simple as saying uh, uh, something like, you know, we had the craziest conversation in this group of people that, that I get together with each week last night. It was a weird conversation and then just start to talk about what happened in a life group. It may be starting a conversation with something that's as natural as saying, have you, ever, have you ever felt one of those moments where it seems like the presence of God is just right beside you wherever you are in a weird place? And let that be a conversation that somebody can pick up on and that they may 
invite you into their life to have a different level of conversation. The third, the third simple thing in just finding a, a, a person of peace is this. If, if, if you have a smartphone, would you take it out right now? Uh, yeah, if you have a smartphone, this is not a rhetorical. This is a real thing. If you've got, got your smartphone, you may have it open. Open the Facebook app, if you would, all right? Open the Facebook app, and, uh, and where it says, um, uh, what are the words that are there? Check in, uh, uh, or what's on your mind. If you, if you go to where it says what's on your mind and click on that, They'll be down at the bottom, at least on my phone, it says check in. Press check in, and it, and it should show up there that if your locator's on, that you're at North Point Community Church. Press that, and then hit post. That seems silly, right? It seems small, but here's what'll happen. All of your friends, all of your connections on Facebook are going to get a note that said you checked in at North Point Community Church. People, people may see that and it launched a conversation that, that is essentially, what's, the, what's going on at North Point Community Church? Why were you there? What's that all about? And God might use that to, uh, to help you identify a person of peace. Will that shake heaven and earth? Will that cause revival to break out that you checked in at North Point Community Church? Probably not. But it will let your friends know that you're here, and it may start that conversation. Let me just say this. Don't get discouraged if you reach out and nobody responds. Jesus told the 72 guys that he sent out, um, you know what, if people don't respond to you, shake the dust off your shoes and go to the next house. Keep on walking. Go to the next town. But understand this. God has people in your life today, people in DeWitt, people in St. John's, people in Langsburg, people in Portland, people in, uh, in Ovid, Elsie, people in Lansing. God has people in your life who are ready and waiting to experience the grace of Jesus. They may be on your softball team. They may be in your neighborhood. They may be people that you know at a restaurant. They may be people who work at Meijer. Um, moms, you may feel like, you know what, I don't, I don't know that I have any more time in my life for any more relationships. Dads may feel that way too. But moms in particular of little guys, it's, it's like all you're doing is chasing kids all the time. Maybe the person that you're to impact with the grace of Jesus is the babysitter that you, that, that you use or the daycare provider or a mom in your playgroup. Maybe that person of peace for you is in the PTA. Maybe that person of peace, that person that God has called you to invest in is your, your own child. About 500 years before Jesus was born, there was an Israelite woman chosen by the king of Persia to be his queen. She became a favorite in the royal palace. While she was the queen of Persia, Esther really just minded her own business. She did the stuff queens do, but, but she wasn't big and fancy. Not a lot of stuff revolved around her. It was all about the king, um, a lawmaker convinced the king to sign an edict that the entire Jewish nation would be wiped out in one day. It was a real-life version of the movie from last year titled The Purge. On one day, it became legal to kill every Jew that was living. Esther's uncle Mordecai sends a message to her that says, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. 
For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Who knows whether you have, have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows that you haven't come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther recognized that God had placed her in position to save the Jewish nation. Where did God create her to go? Right where she was. You want to find out what happened to her? Go home today and read the book of Esther. It's amazing. God put her in place right where she was so that history could change. We've been talking for the last three weeks about our common calling, the common calling that we share as followers of Jesus. But next week, we dive into the discovery process of our unique calling. Who did God create me to be? What did God create me to do? Where did God create me to go? That's, that's unique and specific for each of us even as the last, these current three weeks have been the common call that we have. Next week, we dip that second paddle into the water to begin to grasp what God wants, not only what God wants of all of us, but what God made me for specifically. You're, you're not going to want to miss the next three weeks. Jesus told a story about a man who went on a journey and left a small fortune to three of his workers. When he returned from his trip, two of the workers reported back to him and, and said, the money that you gave us, I've, we've actually doubled and gave it back to him. And, and the, the man said to his, to his workers, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. One of the workers took the money that the master had given him and just sat on it. He didn't use it. He missed an incredible opportunity. And when the man came back, the worker came to him and said, hey, here's your money. I'm ready to go where you want me to go. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. Anything, anything that you've got in store for me, I'm, I'm ready now. Here's your money back. And the man said to the worker, you wicked and lazy servant. Our common calling, our core position, as the book calls it, is to be a disciple who makes disciples right where we are, right here where we live today. May we be found faithful to that calling. If we do, Clinton and Shiawassee and Ingham County will not be the same. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now. And, and wonder what you have in store for us. God, we recognize that you have called us to make a difference, to live out the calling that you've given us right where we are. And God, we recognize that lots of times we just do our own thing, we don't pay any attention, and we ask God today that you would open our eyes, that you would help us find a person of peace, somebody who, you're, who you've been working in that's that's ready to come experience the grace of Jesus that we've just looked past over and over again. God, give us those relationships. Help us to impact people with Jesus' grace in ways that will help them experience what life is, what it means to be a child of God, 
what it looks like to live a life of more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.